Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julia Spare's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 28th of April, and my name is Helen Freer. So sell in May and go away is a well-known saying that people might be thinking about at this time of year, but is it really that straightforward and does it really apply every year? I spoke to our head of technical analysis, Menzo Pachinci, on this very topic on our latest episode of the Beyond Markets podcast, which was published yesterday. So do have a listen to this one to find out more. And for our German-speaking listeners, there is also a German version available, which you can find on the Marktanalysen und Gespräche channel. But back to today's show now. Yesterday, we got data from the US, including Q1 GDP numbers. We'll be covering this and all the latest market news when I talk to my colleague, Lucia Chachulovic. And after that, Tim Gagey is going to update us on currency markets. So first up is Lucia, as I mentioned. Good morning, Lucia. Hi, Helen. So let's dive straight in. I think we were all hoping that the banking crisis was behind us, but we're still seeing some market jitters in the industry. Can you tell us a bit more about this, first of all? Sure. So according to data released yesterday, U.S. banks increased their emergency borrowing from the Federal Reserve for the second week in a row, underscoring the ongoing stress in the financial system. In addition, First Republic Bank, which is one of the banks that failed, saw a massive outflow of deposits, sending its shares to a record low. And has this affected the broader market as well? Actually, no. Solid earnings from tech companies led to gains on Wall Street. The S&P 500 jumped 2%, which is the most since January, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 rose 2.8%, as a surge in advertising revenue helped meta-platforms beat analyst estimates for profit. And these gains came even despite a report that showed slowing U.S. economic growth that caused treasuries to dip. But U.S. futures are currently trading lower, partly weighed down by a warning from Amazon about slowing growth in its cloud computing business. And I mentioned it right at the beginning. We had data out of the U.S. yesterday. So what did this look like? So the U.S. economy slowed in the first three months of the year as businesses reduced investments in the face of higher borrowing costs. The economy did grow 1.1% on an annualized basis, but this is lower than the 1.9% expected and it is lower than the 2.6% from the prior quarter, despite strong consumer spending. We also got some labor market data yesterday, which showed that applications for unemployment benefits in the U.S. fell last week as the labor market continues to show strength. Of course, investors worry that a tight labor market puts upward pressure on wages and on prices overall, and that this might cause the Fed to act. Now, all eyes today are on the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, the PCE, which is one of the Fed's favorite gauge and is expected to be out today together with personal income and personal spending data, as well as the University of Michigan sentiment figure. Okay, so lots to look out for. And let's turn to Asia now. There's quite a bit of political news there. What have you got on this, Lucia? Yes, so first we have Chinese President Xi Jinping, who some say is currently on a charm offensive, looking to show up the country's economy and resist efforts by the Biden administration to isolate China on the global stage. And then we have Singapore making headlines as it moves to double property taxes for foreigners. 
Um, meanwhile, in Japan, the focus is on monetary policy as the Bank of Japan concludes its two-day meeting today. As expected in the first meeting under the new governor, the central bank kept its ceiling for 10-year bond yields at 0.5% and its short-term policy rate at minus 0.1%. However, the bank adjusted the wording of its forward guidance, removing its reference to COVID-19 and its expectation that interest rates will remain at current or lower levels. And can you update us quickly on oil and crypto assets? Yes, so oil is little changed after wiping out all the gains from OPEC plus surprise production cut at the beginning of the month. And so is gold, actually. But Bitcoin saw some downward pressure falling below the 30,000 US dollar level. Excellent. Thanks, Lucia. We've covered a lot already. Any comments on Europe just to wrap up? What can we expect for today? So, so far, European stocks are on track to advance with the spotlight on corporate results, of course. Uh, EU finance ministers and central bank governors hold a meeting in Stockholm and expected data include GDP figures for Germany, Italy and Spain, as well as CPI for countries including France and Germany. We will also get the Swiss retail sales and the KOF leading indicator shortly. Great. Thank you very much, Lucia. Now, Tim, let's move on to you. Good morning, first of all. Good morning, Helen. So there seems to be a lot of uncertainty around what central banks are going to do over the next few months. How is this affecting FX markets? Well, thank you for the question. But just before we get into the market, one place where there is no uncertainty is who are the Swiss champions in hockey. Geneva Servette won game seven of the finals last night. I couldn't pass without mentioning it. And I expect there are a few sore heads in the office here this morning. However, indeed, in FX world, I think uncertainty is exactly the right word. Nobody is quite sure how much longer the Fed can go on tightening. This we know. But a piece of data like yesterday's US GDP number is quite confusing. It was so far below expectations. I think a small miss would probably have resulted in a weaker dollar straight away, just a continuation of what we saw. But such a massive miss is a bit worrying because I think it's fair to say that if the US economy were to fall into recession at the kind of pace this one piece of data suggested, and it is just one piece of data, it's hard to imagine other economic areas would be unaffected. There's been lots of talk around policy errors. And well, when you see data like that, you can see where people are coming from, even if it's much, much too early to pronounce any kind of confirmation there. So I think that's why the reaction was rather for a stronger dollar, although admittedly, once again, without any real conviction. Right. And what about the ECB? Are they not likely to tighten further? And then would that mean a stronger euro? Yeah, absolutely. We do indeed expect the ECB to continue to tighten. Frankly, I think they'll tighten several more times. So I do therefore agree euro dollar should continue to move higher based on a narrowing of the interest rate differential, should head towards 112 initially, probably even 115, although that may take a bit longer. Strangely, as I said, yesterday's US GDP number has just given me a little bit of pause on the whole story. I've been pretty negative dollars for quite a while here on the desk, but while I'm certainly not quite ready to change course on that yet, I think it's important to continually test one's assumptions. I'm watching for any other signs of danger because the biggest risk to the negative dollar view that I can see is a shock, as always. But also another one could be a rapid slide into a US recession, a hard recession, because where the US goes, everyone else always follows. If the Fed have hiked too much, then certainly other banks will be in the same boat and trouble will be around the corner for everybody. For now, my core position will remain short dollars, but it was an eyebrow-raising reaction yesterday. 
And is it the same story for the Bank of England? Yeah, absolutely, Helen. They probably have the hardest job of all the central banks because the British economy seems so fragile. Having said that, the Bank of England's own economic forecasts were, as always, ludicrously bearish. Just they're always so negative on the UK economy, no matter what's going on. And those will no doubt need adjusting higher. And I think that ought to lead to the market pricing in further hikes. And therefore, absent uh, the scenario I just outlined, a stronger pound. So this remains the base case. Once again, I think we ought to see the dollar softer against the pound. I don't want to labour the point, but obviously the UK uh, will follow where the US leads. And uh, so we need to keep a close eye on that. But I am for the moment in sterling against dollar, as in euro against dollar, a buyer on dips. That is more to say I'm essentially a seller of dollars on any decent values against both euros and pounds. And you can certainly look at an accumulator or a TAF to try to get a better entry point. Okay, and I have a good question to end on. So if you had to pick a currency that you think still looks like good value, what would it be? That is a good question. Hard question, like all good questions are. I think I would still look at the Australian dollar and the Canadian dollar. Both are still relatively cheap. And the interest rate differential against the US dollar is really not too wide. They're liquid, you have a pretty decent investment universe behind Aussie dollars down at 0.66 against the US looks like a good bargain to me. We really ought to see a move back to 0.7, which would already be a pretty decent return, about 5%, even a bit more. And Canadian dollars from currently around 136, we should see that to 130 or even below, which again would be a pretty decent return. So I think if you still have dollars and they're looking to reduce that exposure, while I would still look at euros and pounds, I think the valuation is perhaps a little bit less painful for something like Australian dollars or Canadian dollars. And it feels like the upside is a bit more obvious there. So on that note, thank you, Helen, for having me on the podcast today. Have a super weekend and thank you everyone for listening. Great. Thanks very much, Tim. So that is all for today. Thanks again to Lucia and Tim for joining me this morning. And thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. Now, due to a public holiday on Monday, we will be back on Tuesday next week. That's the 2nd of May. So do join us again then when I'll be back with more of my colleagues, including Manuel Villegas, who will have all the latest on digital assets. And our chief economist, David Cole, will also join us to comment on the latest data out of the U.S. Until then, have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.